Hey everybody, Delaney here, and welcome back to the Be the Brave Ones podcast. Today, we are wrapping up the Surrounded series with Heidi Pollack, the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Abiding Light in the Shadow of Your Absence. Heidi is an author, speaker, teacher, and Bible study contributor. She and her family make their home in Southwest Florida. She is a wife, a mom of three who loves to make memories, read great books, and have conversations about everything from apologetics to noteworthy films. Heidi knows how wounds serve as invitations to intimacy with God. In her conversation with Mandy today, she talks about her family's intimate journey of grief after losing a loved one to suicide. So I just wanted to invite you to pull up a seat to this table of brave conversation and to learn some really tangible ways to surround those walking through the unimaginable. Hey, Heidi, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mandy. I really appreciate any time we get to chat together. Me too. Our audience needs to know that this is two friends hanging out right now. And that's a gift (laughs) to be able to do this in the middle of our day. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. So Heidi has been on the podcast before. If you guys listened back in the fall of last year, her and I talked. And I wanted to invite her back into the Surrounded series because not only is she about to release a book, but I believe that this book ties into the current series that we are in. And this is so much more than me just having my friend who wrote a book on the podcast. This is truly something that I believe that God led her to do that's going to be an incredible resource for those who will pick this book up and read it and share it. And so Heidi, would you, the name of the book is called Abiding Light in the Shadow of Your Absence. And it is for those who are walking through sudden death or for those who will walk alongside someone who will experience that, which is a heavy and hard subject that sometimes we want to shy away from. But we know that God has given us what we need to walk through these type of situations. So Heidi, would you share with us, tell us a little bit about the book and why you felt it was a book you needed to write. Absolutely. I'm going to just open with the opening part of the book so that you can hear the way I write, because I do write differently than I speak. And it's the very beginning. We open with a Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 20, verse one. I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. The chapter is called Dusk because the book covers a basically a dusk to dusk day. That day, our epic of hope began, even as death dawned a shrouding darkness on my family. Not an accident, not an elderly relative, not even a fit of rage. Rather, a 17-year-old young man silenced and stilled his own heartbeat. I wrote this uh, book because when I was 17, I lost my cousin, who was also 17, um, to a death by suicide. And it was a book I was looking for for a very long time. I scoured book um, bookstores, libraries. I was in a position of not being able to articulate all the incredible feelings and and sadness and grief and rejection and doubt. And just all those things were bombarding me at a time when I didn't know how to articulate those things. So it was a book I was looking for. And as a result, what I ended up doing is I ended up going back to our family. And I asked if the family would be willing to share their experiences of the grief of this loss. My cousin's name was Jamie. 
And I asked our grandparents on both sides. And I should tell you all that our moms are sisters and our dads are brothers. So we had all the same aunts and uncles and um, grandparents. And I was able to get um, four generations to share. So there's uh, more than a dozen uh, different perspectives throughout the book written in the first person. And they're very personal. They're very different. They are definitely anchored in the faith of Christianity. Um, it, that, that is something that the whole family did have in common and shared and, and propelled us in, a, in a, a really specific way because of the fact there is that hope in Christ and the, the resurrected Christ. So um, it is a collection of per, first-person accounts. And then along with that is kind of threaded throughout is a little bit of my own, um, my own story and how I processed their sharing. It took me 25 years to assemble all of this, to meet with each family member. I recorded on tape recorders because this is how long ago I started. I recorded the, the interviews. We transcribed those interviews again, by hand. Now they have great technology where you can do it in minutes. It took me a lot longer. However, I will say that I do think that part of that transcription process where I had to sit there and listen and rewind did help me um, take on their voice in a different way than I think I would have if it would have been a much more fast forwarded process for me. So it was a um, each step along the way has been um, very valuable, even though it took me a long time. Well, one thing that I really love about the book. Now, I apologize if I if I should know this, but I've referred to the book as a memoir. This is a great question. And this, we okay. could probably have a whole podcast about what genre it falls into. It's kind of okay. between genres. Generally, a memoir covers a small amount of time and it's usually one person's perspective. So the fact that we cover multiple people's perspective over a lengthy amount of time, um, it definitely starts with his initial death, but it, there's other, I think it's okay to refer to it that way, but. <laughs> okay. One thing that is really notable, Heidi, and a reason why I wanted to have you on during this series is that you were 17 when this happened. And I know the adult Heidi, right? We can do the math, 25 years <laughs> plus 17. And then I have to remember, no, oh my goodness, you were a teenager when this happened. And so you're writing from that perspective. And something that is very evident as we read about your experience is that you were surrounded. You were surrounded by family, by friends, by God's people. And when we are walking through something like this, that is one of the times where we truly recognize our inevitable need for God and his people. And so I was wondering if you would just share a little bit about your experience from that perspective. Absolutely. You know, for me at that time, when I was 17 and probably for the first couple of years after he died, I really in part, I feel like it was in the retrospect, looking back, I feel like it was because of my inability to articulate what I was feeling. I kind of pushed away from all those that were surrounding me and and to some degree, part of it was just because of the vulnerability. Part of it was because he and I were so close. All eyes were on me. People were very concerned. I didn't want people to worry about me. And so there was a time where there was some resistance on my part, but what I'm very grateful for both in the realm of family, my parents, my friends, and, and just the body of Christ that were brave enough to continue to, to attempt to have those conversations with me and to just be present and just check in on me. Even when there were times when I wasn't able to articulate or fully receive their compassion, 
you know, I have a I have a um, almost 17 year old daughter now in my home, where we know the the, the pushback that we often get um, within the realm of teens, and how we need to reach out, um, whether it's multi generational reaching out or if it's within their peer to peer, and it can be very awkward. It can be, and and I think reinforcing that with our young people that it is awkward for everybody. It, no matter what the stage of grief or age someone is facing something like this. It's awkward for everyone. So just to be present is huge. We know it was January of my junior year in high school when this happened and I was preparing for nationals and I had a great dance team that, you know, we had a lot of fun together. And so just being in the midst of of that kind of camaraderie was really great for me actually at the time, because it gave me some normalcy in the midst of something that was very extraordinary and very difficult. I think that's very helpful because we might be within arm's reach of a girl who has experienced or will experience something like this and having that perspective of knowing how we can be there, how we can help and how sometimes even just presence is enough and to be brave and not shy away from an opportunity to surround that girl and give her some normalcy uh, in her life. So something also that's incredibly remarkable about your family's story is that everyone processes their grief differently, but ultimately everyone's story leads to a road of hope that really stood out to me. And I also want to say that even though you are writing these perspectives, first of all, Heidi, you are an incredible writer and it almost feels like fiction from a standpoint of being in a story. You feel as you're reading these perspectives, you literally feel like you are reading a made for TV movie. I mean, you feel like you're in this story. You grow to love these characters. They're not characters, they're people, but that's, that's how well this book is written. Mm -hmm. But one thing that, again, that's super incredible is that everyone gets to hope. So it's like the opposite of 13 reasons why, right? You're going through, you're seeing all these perspectives and everyone's grieving in their own way, but they're all finding hope. And i believe that that has to come from an established legacy of faith that your family has passed down to one generation to the next. You all respond. You all respond in light of an understanding of the gospel. And so I would just love for you to share a little bit about that with our audience, your experience. You share about it in the book, but a little bit about your family's legacy of faith that you experienced. Absolutely. It's interesting. Both sets of grandfathers grew up on farms and to some degree spent very integral parts of their life on the farm. My dad's, my dad's dad, my paternal grandfather, he ended up leaving and he ended up living most of his life in the city. But my mom's dad farmed for many, many years and most of his adult life. And so there was a integration of being in God's creation that was very much part of both sides of our family, which I think is really interesting. And in theological terms, that's uh, God's creation is general revelation. So we can learn so much from his creation and the things that he orders, whether we're talking about crops that, uh, you know, I grew up watching the people and with that we go to church with or those kinds of things. And then the specific revelation is obviously God's word and the spirit coming alive in the word. And so those things were very much part of both sides of the family. And I think that's a super unique gift that we had because of the age I was, it, you know, we are definitely moving away from the agricultural uh, roots that many of uh, um, Americans had for years, but that was just something that was part of my childhood and both sides of our family. So they watched the long seasons that it took to plant crops and they went through times of harvest that was, there was great celebration. They went through times of drought, storms, you know, pestilence, these kinds of things 
where they had a long term faith. They had watched God provide in, in seasons of plenty and in seasons of scarcity. And so for me, I think that that was a huge part of the, just the honesty on both sides of the family is that there was already longevity there. And, um, and I know that not everyone has graced with that within their own families I- anymore. I mean, that, that there's oftentimes things that are cut off and we don't have that, but I do think it's something that we get to aspire to. And what is one of the beautiful aspects of the body of Christ is that we have that multi-generational place where we can come together and remind one another of God's faithfulness, whether you're dealing with something that's, you know, farm life, or if you're dealing with something within city life, that we have that opportunity to remind one another of his faithfulness, both biblically, historically, within our families and our communities. And then again, when it comes time for a crisis, then we're able to go back and lean upon his faithfulness that we've known, but we have to remind one another often about that in those harder and heavier times. Yes. I I love that we can take our our own life and examine it through that lens and go, where are we seeing God be faithful? Where can we learn long suffering? You know, we all just have different experiences and it's, I love the telling, right? You talk about often as your friend, I know this about you and you talk about in the book, remembering to remember, right? And so are we remembering God's faithfulness and are we passing it on to the next generation? Are we telling the stories? Are we taking the time in a moment in hardship and in celebration to actually talk to our children about it? Mm -hmm. That was something that we see in God's word that didn't happen from the generation of Moses to the, well, sorry, it did happen from the generation of Moses to Joshua, but it didn't happen from Joshua down. And then we see what happened with the Israelites thereafter. And so even if you're looking at your own family and going, I don't have that family, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the family that Heidi, Heidi has. Well, God invites us into a family. Number one, he invites us into the family of God. And then number two, he changes the story. So we can start with us. Yes. We can learn. God can help us establish that legacy of faith that we can pass down to our own children and to our spiritual children. Even if you don't have biological children, God has placed younger people in your life that you can pass this faith down to. And it's going to matter. It's going to matter. They're going to walk through things. And this faith, Jesus, it's going to matter to them in eternity. And it's going to matter right now. Absolutely. Okay, so something that you talk about in the end of the book in Long Shadows is holding somebody up. You talk about people who you felt God was calling you to hold up, and you also talk about your need to be held up. And I believe that that uh, is God's design for relationships, especially in times like these. We actually talked about that on the podcast recently as well. And I was wondering if you could share with our listeners the role you saw that playing as you walked through grief. Yes, I think one thing that is that we can never... I mean, we have to hold on to the fact that prayer is huge. Um, oftentimes that it seems to be kind of a last resort and a like, oh, I can't do anything else. So I guess I'll just pray for you. I know that I had grandparents on and great grandparents on both sides of my family that were praying for all of us before this happened with Jamie. And on a daily basis, they prayed for their family and then their prayers um, grew with the depth, um, you know, maybe shifted a lot more towards scripture when we didn't know what to say, when they didn't know what to say for us, because this is just such an, you know, unfathomable kind of grief to walk through. So to me, number one is that we hold one another up with prayer and then the spirit ignites in us ways in which we can be specifically compassionate to one another. And sometimes that looks like 
Um, in the book, we talk about one of the one of the favorite things, and many people have commented on the soda that was brought to my aunt and uncle's house. Um, it literally covered a, the the hood of a car in the garage, and um, it was you know it was an appropriate offering for a family that was had a bunch of teenagers coming in and out of the situation. Obviously, if, if it was a different age of a loss, it would be different. But being really specific in the in our prayers, God is just great, so kind and gracious and good to give us something specific that we can do for one another that will extend this compassion. And it may be just for a moment. So you and in our case, like this sip of soda that was just helpful for that moment. And yet all these years later, it is something that all of us remember with great affection because of how thoughtful that was. Oftentimes we don't even remember those things, but God uses that to remind us again of how personal he is to us. And I believe all of that starts so often with prayer and it should be the first thing, not the last thing. Obviously carried throughout, we pray without ceasing, but the the spirit is just really good to lay upon our hearts the things that we can do, both to be compassionate and it gives us the courage to carry it out. And you talk about in long shadows. First, I also want to say, that the end of the book is my favorite part. When you when you get this book, listeners, go get this book. I know it comes out next week. I pre-ordered a copy and got some in advance so that I could read it and whatnot. But the last four chapters are going to blow you away. But in, in that section, you talk about remembering to remember. Would you share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I think that part of the the difficulty of going through anything that's that's tough, particularly in those early years, because we're just dealing with our own confused emotions. We're we're dealing with a lot of things on our own, but eventually God comforts us so that we will comfort others. And we do that not out of our own strength, not even out of our own creativity. It really comes from remembering God's faithfulness. Again, coming to that point of prayer and saying, you know what, Lord, this person is in my life. If, if in my case, now walking alongside others that are going through the grieving process, I am willing to show up the week of the funeral. I'm also willing to show up three weeks later when a lot of times people have backed way far away. In fact, oftentimes for me, that's when I send my, my sympathy cards is that three weeks to six weeks after, because a lot of times that's when people are feeling very isolated in the midst of that. And, and remembering the person um, along the way is super important. That's part of the remembering to remember. The core of remembering to remember is remembering God's faithfulness, God's character, and reminding one another of that in due time, in soft and tangible ways. That is really just the, the compassion to continue on and take the compassionate walk, not just in a one-time endeavor, but in a I'm here for the long haul. And particularly when you're in a close circle of people, or if you are in the, you know, someone that you're very, very close to, if it's a family member or a good friend, people are very tempted to back away for a while. And, and that's okay. It is, it is important. Sometimes people do need space and they do need quiet to deal with some of this, but it's also being persistent to show up and remind one another of, of God's goodness. And sometimes as we're walking through that, we see someone going through something that's very, very difficult. Like my mom talked about this in context to me when I was in high school and she just was, she wanted so badly to lift the burden and to make it better and to make it better more quickly. And there was just nothing that she really could do other than learn to pray and learn to be observant in ways that, you know, I was willing to let her in. So I don't know if that entirely answers the question, but I think that that, those are some of the important elements. 
And hearing you share those things uh, just reminds me to let our listeners know that this book is not just for those who are walking through a dark night. This is for those of us who are walking along with someone who's walking through a dark night or for those of us who will. And so that means it's for all of us. I can't tell you since reading this book, the opportunities that God has given me to respond to someone who's walking through a very painful loss. This is one of those books where you're going to get it, you're going to read it, and you're going to want it on your bookshelf. You're going to give it away, and then you're going to want to replace it. And so, Heidi, I'd love to just ask you, what are your hopes for the book? And what do you, who, do, who do you believe it's for? And what are some ways it can be used as a resource for those who are walking through this kind of loss? You know, when I first wrote it, I definitely thought it would be a conversation starter. That was my hope. I've been a part of book clubs in the past where we've read all kinds of fiction and different things. And I love being a part of interfaith groups like that because of the conversations that open up as a result of just reading someone else's story, even if it's a fiction piece. And so I hoped that it would open conversation and that it would be maybe a sounding board for someone that's going through a very difficult place so that they can say, hey, I relate to grandpa Ken on this, or I relate to brother Michael, or, you know, to be able to give voice to some of the things that people go through. Interestingly, it has not only opened a conversation, it has become a a resource. I was able to get a few copies in the hands of pastors, counselors, teachers, some professional groups that might be able to utilize it in whether it's a grief group or these kinds of things. And it, it has been become a resource even within pastoral staffs to read together and they're coming together and having conversation about it. And they're recognizing that this has been a place, grief and loss has been a place within the body of Christ that we have room for improvement and room for not just a program, because oftentimes that the programmatic part of things is there are some things that we definitely need programs and other places where we need the personal touch and being able to Um, really respond to the spirit and grow in compassion for one another. And so I'm seeing that that's been one of the most beautiful things in this early pre-launch phase of the book is to see that it's actually being utilized as a resource for a conversation starter, but it is also deepening compassion and making or making allowance for people to try some things out, be a little more creative, but in how they're going to walk alongside those that are going through the, the deep grief and immediate grief. And I think that's one of the biggest things that this book does is it helps people to have an idea, to to believe that they can do something instead of compartmentalizing it and giving ourselves the reasoning of, oh, they have people who are checking on them or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're fine. It's, it's okay. And we just kind of go on. We, this book truly opens, it opened my eyes to see, no, you are one more person to surround this person. And it could be the yes. smallest thing. I dropped mm-hmm. something off on someone's doorstep. You know, it could be the smallest little thing that you are able to do that can be so meaningful. So I also recognize how the timing of this book mm-hmm. is so significant. And we don't want there to be a good time for this book. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And so don't hold back, listeners get this book, read it. You're going to enjoy it and it's going to encourage you and it's going to equip you most of all. So Heidi, how can someone find your book? Where can they purchase it? And then also let let our audience know how they can connect with you. Yes. The book as of August 31st will be in stores all over the United States. So you can, your favorite bookstore should have it. 
there are, you can pre-order right now. Cause I believe that this airs prior to the August 31st. So um, between in between, it would be great if, it, if anyone's really interested to jump on it and the pre-order that definitely helps us. So any of your favorite bookstores is great. You can also uh, find it on my website, which is HeidiPollock.com. I believe it's like backslash abiding dash light. And there's plenty of links there. So you can order it that, that way as well. You can find me on Instagram where I share bits and pieces of that story as well as more of the elements of the book. But I think one thing that I wanted to share, Mandy, is that I completed this book in 2020. And after working on it for 25 years, and as we all know, 2020 was just a, it's a mark in our history that, you know, those of us that are living through this will never forget. And I was at a very weak place. I was at a very difficult place personally. And yet this was when God said, this book is done. It's ready. And the publishers have been just incredible as far as the timing. And so it is relevant to our time. I'm recognizing that more and more. And so I'm humbled that the Lord granted me the completion date in a time that is so difficult and so heavy. And it's just been a very beautiful thing to see because I think I want to encourage all of us that there is beauty that comes from these very difficult times, whether it's on an individual level of, of connecting and compassion and growing in beautiful relational ways that are deeper and wiser and kinder and just, you know, really being more intentional. I think that was one of the things that from age 17 on, I have been significantly more intentional with my life and the way I treat people, because I know that those moments can be the last ones. And I want to make sure that those are good moments that, you know, are, are parting or are coming together and parting or are quality moments. And so anyway, those are important elements to me that I think that 2020 has taught all of us. And as we move forward, that we don't take those things for granted, that we continue to take those morsels and, and don't change and go back to the way we were, because there are things that we want to go back to that normalcy and other parts of it that we can have a deeper, more connected community. And, and I think that that's part of what the, this timing is all about. Yes, those are important words. Thank you for sharing them. And thank you for taking this time to talk with me on the podcast. And most of all, thank you for being brave and writing this book. Thank you, Mandy. I appreciate you so much. Same. Thank you for joining us for this episode, guys. We hope this series encouraged you. And if it did, we invite you to share it with others to encourage them as well. Heidi's book, Abiding Light, releases next Tuesday. That's so exciting. But it is available for pre-order right now. So we're going to include a link to the book on Amazon in the show notes for you. This was the final episode in our Surrounded series. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast so you can be ready to join us for the next series of Flame starting Wednesday, September 29th. And until then, if you miss us, we invite you to join us over on Instagram or in the Brave Girls Gather Facebook group.